Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Wednesday evening, an evening where we roll out the figure of Pope Francis and we engage him uh, with respect to where he is at in the news. And of course, we engage Joy of the Gospel, his exhortation on this great mission of the Church to evangelize uh, the people of God and uh, it is Wednesday, so I have Bob Cross with me. Bob, it is, again, great to have you with me this evening. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. So, uh, Pope Francis in the news, Bob, there's a number of things to talk about here, certainly. Uh, I think our listening audience is well aware that uh, he has named 20 cardinals. He has uh, put out 20 names to receive those uh, those scarlet hats, if you will. Uh, and now, what struck, I think, most of us, just not the 20 names themselves, but also... Uh, where they hail from, where they come from, because uh, they come from the ends of the earth, literally speaking. You know, Pope Francis up on the balcony when he was elected said, uh, you have called me from afar. Well, he calls bishops and archbishops from afar. And one of the things he is reminding us of is what that word Catholic means. Remember, the word Catholic itself, catahulike, first coined by one St. Ignatius of Antioch in 105 AD, means universal. And Pope Francis, not only because he's from Argentina, but in the election of this most recent set of cardinals, reminds us that uh, this is a universal church, and it is right that we have cardinals hailing from Oceania, and all across the map. It's, it's quite striking, and I uh, would say it's a good thing. And who am I to say, you know, <laughs> who am I to critique Pope Francis on such a matter? But I, I, I think this has a lot of people feeling good about the Catholic faith, because we are being reminded of this, this global church, the, the universality of the church. It's so easy to think that we live in the United States, and the United States you know, for all, forever seems to dominate the news. And our, our importance to the world, you know, goes without saying. But, you know, I think we get caught up in that a little too much for those of us that live in the States in not understanding that, hey, there's a, there's a big world out there. And this man, Pope Francis, he has to be the father. He has to be Papa, the Pope for all of the, the entire world. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned universality. I mean, it's true. You think about how large the world is in terms of the many different cultures and many different people. And he is called to be um, the leader and the father to all of us, not just those of us in the United States. Mm -hmm. Some of our, uh, you know, our arrogance, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, there's been little critique, quite honestly, on on this front, maybe because we were not as familiar with some of these bishops and archbishops who he will be naming cardinals in February. But I think people do respect what we're talking about right now, and, and it really is just a matter of time. Um, so certainly that was a main point in the news over this past week. And, you know, we haven't really had a chance to talk about Pope Francis as it relates to Christmas Day or New Year's Day. But there was uh, an article put out by uh, someone who we've quoted before, John Allen, he writes for CruxNow.com, 
Um, he is well known in the international arena. He has been involved in reporting from the Vatican and mainstream media. So he offers some interesting insight. Um, as we have talked about before, Bob, uh, we, while we might not always agree with what he says, certainly when he speaks to objective pieces, it's, it's worthwhile. And there were a few things that he had to say that uh, I thought it would be good to comment on in light of what we have been talking about as it relates to Pope Francis. John Allen references uh, a, a very Bergoglio Christmas mm-hmm. uh, in the way that he advances some of these paragraphs. He says, by now we all know the Pope Francis brand, relaxed, hip, funny, non-judgmental, humble, spontaneous, a maverick abandoning the Catholic system. It's usually expressed by a picture of a beaming Pope flashing a thumbs up to an adoring crowd, hugging a laughing child, or holding a parrot on his fingers. This certainly wasn't the reputation of Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio in Buenos Aires. Many Argentines are dumbfounded by the charisma he now projects. Since back home, he often came across as very sincere, but a bit of a downer. So morally earnest at times, he could seem a scold. They say he rarely smiled, something that seems unfathomable today. In that sense, the holiday season 2014 may not have been vintage Pope Francis, at least as measured by the public brand, but it was a very Bergoglio kind of Christmas. Mm. Now, I really want to take what he just said and reflect upon that a little bit, because I do believe this whole idea of you know Cardinal Bergoglio not always uh, wearing that smile to some degree is true. Uh, now, has he changed? Well, there's something to be said about a grace that comes with the office, for sure. Okay, But there's something else going on here, and, and he notes it, the public brand. Well, where does the public brand come from, Bob? But the mainstream media. Uh, the fact of the matter is, <laughs> it has been a very Bergoglio kind of not Christmas papacy. Because the message he has been putting out there uh, over the course of the last almost two years is the same thing we heard over Christmas. I mean, we've been talking about this, Bob. Listen to some of these words. You know, Christmas Day, he, he talks about the suffering of children. He says, we don't see this because we are buried under the egoism of a culture that doesn't love life. And he condemned this globalization of indifference to human misery. Okay, so the mainstream media, they are going to portray this as a man who calls us to be more charitable, but they're never going to quote, or at least you will not see very often, them quoting this kind of language, that uh, we lack love because we are buried under the egoism of a culture that doesn't love life. You know, (laughs) I mean, I know he goes on in another area uh, to talk about, once again, the devil. (laughs) He never shies away from the from an opportunity to talk about the devil. And it's only another illustration, Bob, of what we've been talking about insofar as this being a very Bergoglio papacy, because this is who he was when he was, again, Archbishop of Buenos Aires, Argentina. And yeah, I mean, maybe he was smiling less two, three, four years ago. I would uh, credit that more to do with that replenishing grace he received uh, on that day he was installed as Pope. I mean, there's a singular grace that comes with being Pope of the Universal Church. Um, that would be fair game. And we saw this a little bit with Benedict XVI. There was a lot of unexpected things that he had to say in the first few months and years of his papacy that maybe was a little unlike Cardinal Ratzinger. 
certainly he was still the same man, but he, he might not have been as strong as he was when he was cardinal. Uh, this is part of the grace of the papacy. Uh, not that they backed away. Pope Francis has not backed away from uh, this dynamic orthodoxy, as some people might think, uh, nor has Benedict XVI. Benedict XVI might have been a little bit more outspoken. That would be a fair statement. But um, we have to be careful from distancing, you know, one personality from another as a whole as it relates to when he was bishop to, to when he was pope. Yeah, and I would think, too, that, you know, you think about the venues in which he's speaking or when the media is actually catching him with that beaming smile or, or spreading the joy of evangelization, the gospel, like what he writes. Mm-hmm. I think that this man uh, truly is, is he, he is what, and we've said it before, he is what it is, he is what he writes. I mean, the way that he thinks. And I believe even if he is, has a scolding message, I think he can say it with a smile on his face. And I think it's the venue as much as anything. So he's probably no different than he was mm-hmm. uh, as, as a cardinal in Buenos Aires. He, just that now he's in a venue where he understands that he is reaching out to a lot of people with the new evangelization. And he's still going to have the same message all along that we have to live the life. We have to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. If we really truly want to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. Amen. And he is who he is. You know, there's been a lot of other critique, you know, people saying, you know, Joe, there are a lot of people talking about Pope Francis being like Benedict XVI and, and being like John Paul II, and I'm just a little uncomfortable with that. And, well, you should, because he's not, and, and we would never claim here on this radio program that he is. Now, is there a continuity? Yes. Uh, that's been our point. There has been a very strong continuity from the papacy of well, we can go all the way back to John the twenty-third, of course, to Paul the sixth. Uh, well, we only had John Paul the first for thirty-three days, but to John Paul the second, to Benedict, and now to Pope Francis, there's been a continuity, but not this kind of reincarnation. But this is God's wisdom, right? This is the beauty of the body of Christ. We can go back to the original twelve, Bob. Look at these twelve men. These are twelve very different men, but this is the whole idea because in the makeup of 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 the motley crew of men that he first picked. You have the wonder and the beauty of the body of Christ, like we have, and just not these last few popes, but going all the way back as far as we can remember, there's a uniqueness to these popes, and certainly, certainly with these last few being non-Italians. Um, and we are made to appreciate this, which, which, Bob, should have us looking at him a little differently, so as to ask the question, okay, Lord, why did you elect this man? Why did you call him? Why did you have that dove flying on top of that chimney when the gray smoke was coming out? Reminding us that this is an election that was guided under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we should never think otherwise. Why? Let us start asking that question anew, because new questions lead to new beginnings and certainly new understanding. And I do think it is about time we start asking that new question, Bob, so that we might gain an appreciation for how God works, not how man works, God save us, but how God works, because in his infinite wisdom, not man's wisdom, God's wisdom, did he elect this man for us to see the way in which we are called to love. That's the bottom line. If we are challenged by this, then amen, but let that challenge invade your soul. Because if you don't, if you're critical of this man, rejecting every message he has to offer about the way in which we were called to go to the margins, we will fail the Christian vocation. Now, 
Does that mean we don't have a right to disagree? I'm not saying that at all. I think that can actually be a very healthy thing. But make sure that you're asking those questions and that you are disagreeing with him in humility because when you do so, when you take up that disposition of humility, Bob, and you ask that genuine question, not the cynical, why did you do that? But where you, when you genuinely ask that question, I think there's an answer on the other side that will lead you to more questions. And as I have already noted, a deeper understanding of God's wisdom, that he would elect this bishop of the slums for the year 2014, when all of us need to be reminded of what it means to, to go to those margins and love uh, the unloved. Yeah, but it's so tough to actually, you know, when you have opinions and mea culpa, boy, yes, do I have opinions. Yes, it's so tough yes. to, to actually ask those questions with the deepest humility. That's a great point. Um, but I, I would like to say that the thing that I enjoy the most, because it kind of ebbs and flows. You know, a while back we were talking about why isn't he more like Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Or why wasn't he more like Pope John Paul, St. John Paul II? Mm-hmm. And, and, and now, um, you know, we're hearing that, you know, hey, he's too, too orthodox. He's too much just like them. So it just really depends on the, that particular week or the last couple of weeks or what venues or what subject was uh, uh, foremost in, 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 in the news. But I will say that, you know, if nothing else, um, and this is God's wisdom at work, it's, I'm convinced of, um, that the questions creates the dialogue. It creates the talk. Amen. Oh, I that's mean, it. these questions, whether you agree or disagree with what you think he said or with whether you actually do disagree with what he has said, it, it, it creates conversation. And what does conversation do? It gets people talking about faith. It gets people mm. talking about God and what is right and what's wrong. And how can we, you know? Amen to that. Christians. Yeah, amen to that, Bob. I mean, that there's there's no one greater point than that right there. And we were talking a little bit about it before, you know, um, if nothing else, <laughs> if nothing else, it has us talking about the Catholic faith in so many different circles. You know, our listening audience, I know, Bob, at least in, in the you know the local regions, is is by a majority non-Catholic, and it, it has led um, me to have many conversations with non-Catholics, and it's been very good. Um, they've been very good, you know, grounded dialogues, and uh, this is a good thing. Uh, this is a good thing. So as we talk about this, yeah, stay tuned and, and be mindful. I mean, if you want to have a deep understanding of Pope Francis, and if you really do want questions to your answers, go to what he actually says. This has been kind of a reoccurring statement, I think, for us, Bob, over the last month and a half. Go to what he actually says, and in doing so, I think you'll be be able to engage him a little more. So very important. Now, as it relates to engaging him, <laughs> let us engage joy of the gospel. Uh, we are in this section that uh, focuses in on this missionary aspect that we are all called to. And I think we more or less, Bob, left off at paragraph 121. If, if we got into it, we didn't really develop it. So what I thought we could do is maybe just read here paragraph 121 from his apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel, and really reflect into some key points to be had. Of course, all of us are called to mature in our work as evangelizers. We want to have better training, a deepening love, and a clearer witness to the gospel. In this sense, we ought to let others be constantly evangelizing us. But this does not mean that we should postpone the evangelizing message or mission. Rather, each of us should find ways to communicate Jesus wherever we are. 
All of us are called to offer others an explicit witness to the saving love of the Lord, who despite our imperfections offers us his closeness, his word, and his strength, and gives meaning to our lives. In your heart, you know that it is not the same to live without him. What you have come to realize, what has helped you to live and given you hope, is what you also need to communicate to others. Our falling short of perfection should be no excuse. On the contrary, mission is a constant stimulus not to remain mired in mediocrity, but to continue growing. The witness of faith that each Christian is called to offer leads us to say with St. Paul, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Amen. How can you not think of the Incredibles when you hear that phrase, mired in mediocrity? Was it (laughs) Mr. Incredible? We celebrate mediocrity. (laughs) Okay, I I digress. I couldn't help. (laughs) Anyhow, this call that we need to be constant in our growth, Bob, you know, this need that we should never be satisfied. I mean, this really is the spirit of St. Paul. It's it's right that he quoted St. Paul there, because the spirit of St. Paul was there is always much to be done. Don't ever pat yourself on the back. There's still much to be done. Um, yeah, and there's a tendency to sometimes say no to a lot of things so you can focus in on the one thing, and I have said that on this radio program, that that's a good thing. But there's also something to be said, Bob, about the idea of, you know, when you want to get something done, give it to someone who's, who's busy, give it to someone who's, who's active, give it to someone who's, who's serious about the mission before them. So yeah, there's always more work to be done. The Holy Spirit will give us something each and every day to do. If, if we think our work is done, if uh, we are hanging up our hats and we are calling it a day at 5 p.m. when it comes to our faith, no, no. The Christian gig is 24-7, 365, and there's always much more to be done. And so we need to seek whatever that is out and call upon the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. Okay, Lord, what is it next that you want me to do? Um, This is part of, of the going deeper. And I love the fact that he said, make sure you are always caring for your soul. I mean, we need to be always re evangelized ourselves each and every day. And that starts, first and foremost, with prayer, going to Mass, and maybe going on a retreat. Benedict XVI said, if you're serious about your faith, you will take two retreats a year. You will get a spiritual director. Um, and when he says this, Bob, what he wants us to see is, you need to be re-evangelized. You need to be constant in going deeper in your faith. And out from that, will your evangelization be all the more dynamic, all the more powerful, I think I, I think I'd mentioned the other day that that great phrase to neglect prayer is to neglect ministry. Okay, uh, this is what lies at the heart of what Pope Francis is saying here. Sure, and you know you hear people talk about conversions, and you know it's like a, there's a beginning and an end, you know, and mm-hmm. we all know, and we've talked about it before. Conversion is never ending. Conversion is a process that is always taking place if we're truly experiencing conversion, and you know um, that's why we're called to read scripture. You know. Um, you know, the Word of God is, is, is what we're called to do because it constantly reinvigorates us and keeps enriching our souls so that our conversion can continue. And that's all, you know, Pope Francis is telling us here that we need to be always in closeness with, with, with God so that we can always share that with others. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes right to the heart of the joy of the gospel here, the exhortation to become evangelizers of the great news of the, of, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, what's that passage? I think it's Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. Well, again, Bob, we're never going to attain perfection this side of the heavenly Jerusalem. What is Jesus saying here? This is a great question for one St. Augustine. What is Jesus saying here? Because St. Augustine was actually under the idea that we can attain perfection this side of the heavenly Jerusalem. And when he realized that that was not the case, that, as he would put it, was kind of his last and final conversion. That conversion would never stop. You know, that was his third conversion, as Benedict XVI would say. Um, and so we need to enter into this, to this reality that conversion uh, never stops. And in light of this, uh, Pope Francis says, you know, we will begin to see uh, where Christ is in all of the concreteness and particularity of our days, which is first and foremost, as we've already talked about it, Bob, on the margins. This is where we witness to our faith. And I love the fact that he said, you know, we have to be explicit, yes, in how we love, but also uh, the ways in which we train up on how to be better evangelizers. So this kind of got me thinking, Bob, what are ways, practical ways that we can evangelize that maybe we haven't talked about before? I think one way, and and I want to go here because we haven't talked about it on the radio, but uh, uh, maybe our dress. And I'm not speaking necessarily to modesty. That's a good thing, of course. Uh, we've talked about that a great deal in Theology of the Body, but more about uh, what is on what we wear, right? Uh, do we wear clothing that uh, has a message about Jesus Christ, a message about salvation? Huh? Do we? I don't know. Uh, you know, Bob, we don't typically think of our Christian fit faith as a brand, nor should we, because our faith is about an encounter. But wearing the signs that belong to Christ could be a very healthy thing as they uh, would prompt conversation, and as I think both of you and I have experienced. Because it, it's an interesting thing how far we go as a secular culture to make sure that certain things are being branded and, you know, some of the money that's being exchanged in one particular outfit to another brand. And I'm thinking of Notre Dame football for some of our listening audience, okay? We're Notre Dame fans. You might know where I'm going with this, right? The Notre Dame football team signed a 10-year, are you ready for this, $90 million contract. What was the essence of it? Well, that Under Armour, <laughs> Under Armour can uh, put their brand on their apparel. You think about that. Wow. Under Armour paid $90 million to the Notre Dame football team to put their brand, their icon, on their apparel. Striking. I mean, if you did not think there was an influence by uh, the kind of brand on our clothing, think again. I think Michigan has a contract right now with Adidas, 10 years, $82 million. Uh, the four college football playoff teams, Ohio State, uh, Oregon, Alabama, Florida State, were all are all tied to Nike. Millions of dollars there just to wear uh, their uh, icon. You know, striking. And and what does it point to? Is well, uh, the signs that we put on our clothing are very important. Uh, they influence the way we think. We were talking a little bit before air. You know, Bob, uh, how many times have we read a bumper sticker on the back end of a car and it? and it either ruining our day or making our day because of what was said. We can ev evangelize in ways that are very far-reaching. And uh, to the clothing, um, often what I have found is uh, it stimulates conversation. You know, why do you wear this or why do you wear that? And 
five minutes into the conversation, you're talking about the Eucharist or Mary or the Pope, and uh, these are ways where we can evangelize. And I throw this out there because when Pope Francis is talking about, you know, this call that we have, uh, the need we, we have to be creative in our evangelization, to train up, there's, there's little ways, there's little things that we can do, Bob, that can really encourage that conversation that is so necessary. Sure, and you know, there's, it, it's a great, great to see, you know, a rosary hanging from a you know, rear view mirror, or, you know, I, I just listed my house for sale, mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, one of the real estate professionals told me that I really should put my Statue of Mary away, or that I should mm-hmm. take down my crucifix, and because, you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to offend anyone. And it's like, you know, I thought to myself, and I didn't take full advantage of the opportunity, but you know what? How am I going to uh, offend somebody by virtue of my be- belief that's rooted in love? Yeah. If I do, well, then that's too bad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and is God going to work in that? When we right. take down that cross, or we take down that crucifix, or we take down um, that piece of art that might communicate a message of Jesus Christ, how in that moment am I doing God's will? I, th- I think that's an important question to be asking. That's where we have to engage our contemporary culture a little bit, asking those necessary questions, and literally ask the question, see what the uh, quote-unquote stager of your house has to say on that matter, you know, about <laughs> offending someone or, or tolerance or so on and so forth. It, it's interesting. So if anybody wants to see my house, give me a call. Yeah. I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, you know, just by way of wrap-up here, Bob, Pope Francis is making his message clear that um, what's premium to the new evangelization is that first you take care of your own soul, and out from that, when you take care of your own soul, God will inspire you to first and foremost love those who are on the margins, and I don't want to be loose with that statement. We need to go to those who are unloved and reach out to them, okay? Uh, we need to make time. But he also says, he also says, train up on ways to evangelize. In light of that, you will be an agent for the new evangelization. <clears throat> Excuse me. A mission, Bob, that is so long as we are alive should always be before us. Amen. Okay, good program, Bob. You know, before we wrap up in prayer, I just want to invite our listening audience, especially those who might be tuning in by way of podcast abroad, who might be listening to this radio program from another country, from outside the United States of America, I'd really like to hear from you specifically on this topic of Pope Francis. You know, I really do enjoy your emails, I enjoy your feedback, and it's always good to get a sense of of what you're thinking out there. Emails do trickle in, um, but I really do want to invite you, if you are in those countries of Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Colombia, Mexico, England, Italy, Spain, the Czech Republic, Romania, uh, the Philippines, Malaysia. I, I see you on, on the map, Saudi Arabia, India. Uh, I, I, I see you listening there by way of podcast, and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. And as it's always an honor that you're taking out time, I'd love to, to again, get some of that feedback. So thank you for the gift of your time, Bob, and let us indeed close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.